Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network, and I am your host, Cherie Sims, mama to six beautiful heavens, wife to Professor Hiram Sims, co-owner of Sims Library of Poetry, and PBS Early Learning Champion. I am excited to be back here with you all. If you guys have been tuned in, we have started with the foundation of my pillars for peaceful parenting. So we're just starting off the new year with a foundation and with pillars for how we can find and have and create more peace in our parenting because y'all, we know it's stressful out here in these parenting streets. So I have been giving you my pillars for more peace in these stressful streets of parenting. If you haven't listened to them, go back and listen to the first few episodes. If you have listened to them, share them with a friend, comment in the show notes and let me know where you're at with these pillars, how you're feeling about them, and continue to stay here with us as we finish the pillars. Today is actually the last of our pillars. So our pillars are an acronym for peaceful parenting, P-E-A-C-E-F-U-L. And we have done perception for P, E for education, A for awareness, C for connection, E for environment, F for friendship, and I'm really looking forward to hearing from y'all about friendship because I know that's a controversial one. And today we're going to be talking about U and L, which are for understanding and listening. But before we get into that, I want to share with you all the peak and pit of my day. It's something that I do with my family every day at the dinner table. It's a way that I can connect with them, have conversation, have a little window into their days and what's going on. And it's something that I like to do here with the Parenting for the Culture community. So the pit of my day, honestly and truly, it's just that I'm absolutely exhausted. I decided I was going to put away a bunch of excess laundry last night. I know I am not the only one that has a bunch of clean laundry that just sits around somewhere for days before it actually gets put away. So last night was the night I decided I was going to put away all that laundry that's been quite content on my bed for a couple of days. Along with that, I decided I was going to like super wash my floors and mop all the floors in the house and in the hallway. I also felt like I needed to move some furniture around. (laughs) (laughs) Did y'all listen to environment? We talked about the physical environment. This was me taking care of myself, creating an environment that I felt good in, but it took me until late at night. So I'm exhausted now today, but it's worth it because I'm going to go home to a clean house and enjoy my peaceful environment that I cleaned last night. And the peak of my day was that today I got to sub for one of our teachers at our school and he actually teaches my oldest daughter, Christina. So I got to teach my daughter today in a classroom setting. And that was a lot of fun because with my 13-year-old, I really haven't been in a classroom setting teaching her since she was about four or five years old. We have done the homeschooling thing and we've done book clubs and other things, but I haven't been in an actual classroom with her for years. And I just think it's a lot of fun to see the many sides of your children. I always tell people that like we as humans, we're like diamonds, we're just multifaceted. And there are so many different angles to us and so many different places that we shine. But you kind of got to turn it and see it and look at it from different angles to see all the different facets of a person. And so it was a lot of fun being able to see my 13 year old in class with her friends as a student and as a 13 year old, as opposed to just, you know, my daughter. So that was fun. I think most schools have like volunteer opportunities. I think it's a great way to connect with your children. We talked about the pillar of connection. So if you have the opportunity ever to volunteer in your child's classroom, 
join them on a field trip, do something where you get to see them in a different role outside of just being your child, I would strongly encourage you to do that. I think it's great for connection. I think it's great for the environment, the school environment that you're creating for them, pillar environment. It's great for pillar education because you get to learn about what they're doing. You get to learn about this other side of them. It's great for pillar perception because you get to see a different side of them. So all around, I think it's a great thing and I would encourage any and everyone to go spend some time inside of your child's classroom. Now, let's get into this week's pillars. We have pillars U and L for understanding and listening. And for understanding, I kind of have a list of things that I want to talk about when it comes to understanding. Now, I'll start by saying like one of the things that I think I hear the most in life is, Sharice, how do you have so much patience? How do you have so much patience for children, for your own children? How do you work with children all day and then go home to a bunch of children and still seem calm and put together? Keyword is seem, (laughs) first of all. I am not always as calm and peaceful as I seem, but I definitely would agree that I do have more patience for children. And I think that that really does come from having a good understanding of children. Having been a teacher for years and watching hundreds of children come through my classroom, watching the different personality types, watching the different ways that children develop, which again goes back to pillar education, is like really having this understanding for a child's development, really having an understanding for how different each child is. Even in my own home with six children that came from the same two parents, damn near have the same face, most of them. (laughs) They all are very unique in their strengths, in their challenges, in the ways that they connect with me, in the ways that they receive information or even discipline from me, each of them operate very differently. So being able to have an understanding that each of them is an individual, unique to their own journey, their own person, outside of my own childhood and my experiences, having that understanding really helps me to have more patience for them. Having the understanding that milestones and development happen for an individual to the individual gives me more patience for the process. I think that understanding is really synonymous with compassion. It's like you you have understanding, it gives you more compassion. And sometimes even just being open to the idea of understanding. So even if you don't fully understand what's going on, why are they acting this way? What's the problem? Having that awareness that maybe you don't fully understand what this is might just give you a little bit more compassion, knowing that there's something more to look for and to learn in this situation. So here are a couple of things that I think are important to have understanding around when dealing with yourself and certainly when dealing with your children and in your parenting journey. One of the greatest things to understand is your own triggers. I think a lot of times we hit these situations, we are triggered, and sometimes we just say to ourselves or out loud, this is so triggering. I'm so triggered right now. But I'm wondering how many of us actually take the time to sit with those triggers and try to understand those triggers. I remember listening to a TED Talk where someone said, like, I invite my fears, I invite my triggers to come have a seat with me at the table so that I can get to know them, so I can understand them and understand where they came from. So I would definitely say, like, as uncomfortable as it is, 
as scary as it might be, take some time to understand your triggers. And what's interesting, my husband and I do marriage counseling. And last night, our therapist challenged us both to ask ourselves about our triggers. And she said to us, if your response is because he or because she, you have to stop right there and find another way to answer the question of why this is triggering you. So I invite you to try that as well. If you are asking yourself, like, why am I so triggered in this moment? If your answer is about to be, because my child is doing X, Y, and Z, rearrange that answer, rearrange that thought process, and really take time to find out why these situations trigger you outside of what your child is actually doing. Because what your child is doing in terms of a trigger is like they just found a button and they're pushing it, but that button existed without them. And you want to find out what that button is, where that button is taking you, who installed that button, because it was there before your child. So the answer to the question of what's triggering you actually has nothing to do with your child. Your child is just the one pushing the button to something that's already there. Another thing to understand is your goal in the moment right? Right here, right now, I need to understand what my goal is in this situation. I'll give you an example. Last night, I was having a challenging situation with one of my children. And they asked me, they're like, are we done? Are we done talking? Can I leave? And I said, no, you, you got to stay down here because I can't let you be alone right now. I did have a concern that if I let you go, I don't know if you're going to start throwing things. I don't know if, you know, you might start taking things off the wall. And I'm not going to say all of that to this child, but that was a concern. I could see where their levels were. And so I let them know, like, you can either hang out down here and I can give you space or myself or Papa can go up with you and hang out upstairs. We can give you space again, but I don't think it is safe for you to be alone right now. And when I talk about safety, I mean that in the sense of like, is your body safe? Is your environment safe? Is your mind safe? Is your heart safe? So if I see that safety is issue, like for me, safety is going to win hands down every time. Safety is always one of my main goals that I have. So in understanding the situation, understanding the goal in that moment, the goal was to keep my child safe to keep my child emotionally safe, mentally safe, physically safe, and to keep my other children safe as well if that was an issue. Last night, that wasn't an issue. So my child looks at me and they're like, I'm, I'm not staying down here. I'm going upstairs. And my husband asked me, like, didn't you just tell them to stay here? They should be listening to you right now. They should be doing what you say. Agreed. I 100% agree. I love obedience. I think it's great. I think obedience helps keep us safe, right? But in that moment, my goal was not obedience with this child. In that moment, my goal was safety. And I think sometimes this is where parenting can become really challenging because as parents, we have so many goals for our children. We want our children to be safe. We want our children to be smart. We want our children to be kind. We want our children to be obedient. We want our children to be organized and empathetic and hardworking and disciplined and honest. And like the list goes on and on and on about all of these things that we want to see in our children. We want to nurture in our children and we want to bring out of our children, right? But the thing is like the list is so long 
that we can't do all of those things in all of the moments that we spend with our children. So it's so important in these various moments that we have with our children, really understanding like, what is the goal for this moment? Is the goal to even get an apology in this moment? Is the goal to get them to stop a behavior? Is the goal to get them to be honest about a situation? Is the goal just to make sure that they're safe? Is the goal to connect with my child in this moment? Maybe my child had a fit and they're mad about something and they hit me and they shouldn't have hit me, but they're really upset. Maybe my goal is not to get them to understand that hitting is wrong in this moment. Maybe my goal right now is just to connect with them so that we can work on whatever else we need to work on and helping them to understand how wrong hitting is and other ways to express themselves when they're mad. Maybe that goal is for like in half an hour or tomorrow morning, right? So understanding what your goal is. Another thing to have understanding around is like your strengths and weaknesses and your child's strengths and weaknesses. And this is something in past episodes, we've talked about acronyms like HALT. Are they hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? So understanding like if they are hungry, angry, and tired, if they hangry, they probably don't have the ability to wash all the dishes. I don't know. That's that's not a task for a three-year-old. That's I'm thinking about my, my nine-year-old right now. <laughs> but let's say it's your three-year-old and like they've taken out all of the toys in their room. They've thrown them all over the floor. They've taken the sheets off their bed for some reason. Maybe they want to make a fort and they are hungry and tired and they're falling out. And you're like, hey, do this really large task that you yourself probably don't want to do. They may not have the capacity to do that in that moment. But you've got to understand where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, where they're at mentally, physically, before you're making certain requests of them. Because if you're asking them to do something that they are just simply not capable of doing, whether it be in that moment or period, like understanding their development, if you if they are not able to do something at that stage of their development, you continuing to ask them to do it, being on repeat with that is only going to trigger you more. It's only going to make you more frustrated. And this takes us back to that pillar perception, right? Rather than having the perception that like, oh, my child just can't do this right now. Like my child is three years old and they cannot regulate themselves right now to stop screaming. Rather than that perception and understanding that this is simply something they can't do, we now have the perception of, I have asked them 15 times to stop and they are not listening. They are now defiant and they're yelling and they're doing this and I'm tired, right? Understanding your own weaknesses. You might be too tired to deal with the situation. So what's the best way to deal with it for you in that moment, leaning on your strengths and leveraging your weaknesses? Another thing to understand, and this does go back to education, is like understanding behavior and understanding needs. And that's probably a whole series that we can go into. But again, that's something that you want to start to educate yourself on. And you want to stay here at Parenting for the Culture and come back so that when we do the series on understanding needs, understanding behavior and how your needs affect behavior, you can get educated on that and we can grow together in that area. But that is something for today that you can at least be aware that all behavior is an indicator of an unmet need. All behavior. All behavior is just a person trying to meet a need and the behavior is the result of that need trying to be met. They may or may not have the skill to meet the need in a positive way. 
But understanding that allows you to kind of ask the question, like, what is the need here that's trying to be met? And how can we meet this need in a more positive way, a more beneficial way for both you and I? So that's what I have for understanding. And I think that one thing that can really help us with understanding is listening, which is our last pillar. Pillar L is all about listening. And one thing that I really think about when I think about listening is the fact that great leaders are great listeners. And you, as a parent, you are a leader. You might be a leader of one child. You might be a leader of six children like me. But you are most definitely like their first leader and they are following you. And in order to be a good leader, you have to be a good listener. Now, it's interesting to me because in our Parenting for the Culture podcast club, which is a free club in Google Classroom, if you want to join, please come over and join us. The link is in the show notes right here. But in that club, we were talking about pillar one, we were talking about perceptions, and somebody shared that the perception I was taught about children while growing up was that children should be seen and not heard. And I think that is a perception that so many of us have with children, is that children should be seen and not heard. And when I think about that, like, I want to challenge you if you feel that way, or if you do that, even if you don't believe that and you don't feel that, but it's something that's kind of been ingrained in you, much like myself, I'm sure that it shows up in different places when I'm not aware and paying attention to it. But if that is a perception that you deal with, I say to that, if you are not going to hear a child, then actually see them. Like if your belief is that children should be seen and not heard, then you have to see your child. You have to see where they're at developmentally. You have to see where their joys are, where their fears are. You have to see where their challenges are, where their strengths are, where their learning is, where their capabilities are. If you're not going to listen to them, then you have to really spend time and see them like they do in Avatar. I see you. Like you have to see into their soul. You got to see all the, all the things that you can't see on the outside. You have to be able to see all those inside things on your own without listening. Now, most likely you can't do that. So if you're not like Avatar and you can't see directly into a child's soul, then you're going to have to learn how to listen to them. And I know that this is really challenging because I think another perception that most of us have is that a child is less than like I, I know that nobody would actually out loud say that, you know, a child is less than an adult. Nobody would say that. But it is a hard concept to like give children space to be heard and to say what they want to say, especially if what they want to say <laughs> is challenging to us in any way or challenging to our authority. But I think that it's a necessary skill for us to build as leaders of our children is to become good listeners. So I have a couple of tips that I can give you for becoming a better listener with your child or for creating safe spaces for listening and for sharing with your child. And if you haven't gathered by now, creating a safe space is one of the goals that I'm like most attached to when it comes to children whether in my school or in my classrooms or in my home, creating safe spaces is really one of the biggest goals that I have for children. And so I'm excited to share this with you today because I would love for all of us to be on the same mission to like create safe spaces for our children. And again, when I talk about safe spaces, I'm talking about the safety physically, safety mentally, safety emotionally. This is something that I talk to with, about with my seven-year-old. I'm always like, are you being safe right now? Is that safe for their body? 
Is that safe for their feelings? Is that safe for their mind? So we want to work on creating a safe space for our children to be able to feel comfortable coming to us and sharing with us so that we can listen. And a couple of the ways that we can create safe spaces, one, remove distractions, right? In these moments that we are listening to our children and creating a space for them to share, we want to remove the distractions, especially things like a phone, a TV, and let them see you turn off the phone and put it to the side. Or tell them, hold on a moment, let me put my phone down in the other room. What it does is it communicates to them that in this moment, they're the most important thing and that you really want to hear them. Another thing that I suggest is as a teacher, we were taught to like get eye level with the children. I would say to get like body level with the child, right? And that might mean sitting down. It might mean getting on the floor with them. And the reason why I say get body level versus get eye level is that after working with so many children over so many years, I do know that there are a lot of children who have different developmental things going on with them. Some of them have developmental challenges. Some of them may be on the spectrum. Some of them may have sensory issues. And so when we're constantly in an effort to force our children to like look at us in the eye, this can sometimes be very overwhelming for a child and it actually doesn't create the safe space. Sometimes you have children who have heightened senses and looking you in the eyes, like for us, we think we're just looking at each other. For them, they may become very overwhelmed with the picture that they're seeing. Like they have a heightened sense of what your eyes are doing, what your face is doing, what your mouth is doing. And and they become so fixed on the things that they're looking at that they can no longer think about their feelings or share what they're feeling. And if it is really hard for them to look you in the eyes, which is a challenge for many children, then now the focus is, I have to look at them so that they don't get upset with me. I have to look at them so that they feel like I'm listening. And now their focus is moved away from, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm going through, here's why I'm behaving the way I'm behaving. So again, I say get body level with them. Some children are not going to be comfortable looking you in the eyes. That for every person is not an indication of whether or not they're present or listening. I know it's a great indication. I know that's going to be a hard one for some people to let go of. But you want to just create a space where they know that you're physically present with them, that you're safe with them. By getting body level with them, again, you're communicating to them like, this is what's important to me right now, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not about to leave. I don't have something better to do. I really want to hear where you're at and what's going on. And this isn't just in times of like challenging behavior. This is any time that you want to give your child some time and space. This goes back to pillar connection. If you're working on building connection with your child and you want to just sit and connect with your child and play with them or hang out with them, get body level with them. Put away the distractions. Create a safe space where you guys can share and talk, and listen, and all of those things. A great part of listening is getting curious. Getting curious, asking many questions. A lot of times as adults, we listen thinking that we already know what's going on, and we already have the answer. And we don't listen to actually find out what's happening. So I think it's really important to get curious. I think that when you find yourself thinking like, I don't understand why they did this, just ask more questions. And when you ask questions, state observations as your questions as opposed to making accusations. 
An example of that would be, let's say your children are playing and somebody took the remote out of somebody else's hand and that person got mad and they hit them. Rather than saying, you know, I saw that you snatched the remote and you hit them, say something along the lines of, I noticed that your sister was holding the remote and now you have the remote in your hands. Can you tell me how that happened? Because what this does, even if they did snatch it, even if that is the the case, right? What it does is it puts them in a position where they feel like you're on their team or at least impartial and they haven't already lost. Like nobody wants to come to a battle that they've already lost. Nobody wants to go to a trial where they've already been proven guilty. So it gets you on their side and it opens up a space where they say, oh, okay, I haven't yet been accused. Let me actually explain what happened. And a lot of times with children, especially if you're dealing with siblings, there is a lot of things that happen that we don't see, whether it's internal, whether it's just that we were looking in the other direction, whether it's something that happened at school that is now just playing out in the night. There's a lot of things that go missed that are unseen, but they come up when you give a safe space for your children to share and when you just ask questions. And anytime you're not understanding what they say, ask another question or even ask them to repeat it. I find myself always having to ask my children the question of like, can you say that a little differently for me? I really want to understand what you're saying, but I didn't quite get that. Can you say it differently? Sometimes asking them to say it differently allows them to choose different words to help me to get a better understanding. We want to listen to listen. We don't necessarily want to listen to respond. And again, this depends on the situation. But there are some times where my children share parts of their day with me or even share an experience they had with a sibling or a friend or maybe even me. And I'll ask them, are you sharing with me because you want to share or are you sharing because you want me to help you solve this or you want me to help you find a resolution? Do you want me to respond or do you want me to just listen? My children usually know which one they want. Sometimes they just want to vent. I know I recently had a moment with another adult where I said my piece and then I was like, I got to go. I'm out of here. And they were like, wait a minute. You just said what you had to say and you don't want to hear what I have to say. And I was like, you know what? Actually, yes, <laughs> that's exactly it. I just want to be heard right now in this moment. I really don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm not ready for that. I'm not at that point. I really just want to be heard. And I would love for you to take the time to actually hear me. And that makes me feel like if I feel that way as an adult, I'm sure there are many times where our children, especially children who already have to follow so many guidelines and rules and structure and are in a position where they really don't have space that they like own, there are many times that they probably just want to be heard. And for centuries, we've been talking about your job is to be seen, not heard. Like, not only does your child want to be heard, you want to be heard. Your inner child wants to be heard. So for the many generations of inner children in your ancestry, like, just sit and hear your child and give them space to be heard. Two more things that I want to mention with listening. One is listening to the explicit and implicit things that are being said. So yes, they're going to use words, but your children are also going to have a certain body language, a certain tone of voice, certain facial expressions. Look at all of that to see what they're really saying. A great example is when we have these preteens, teens, sometimes even younger, and they say, I don't want to talk to you right now. But they might roll their eyes. They might close their body. They're saying, I don't want to be around you. But their body is really actually saying, like, I don't feel heard. I feel really sad. I feel lonely. And when a person feels lonely, they actually need connection. They don't need to be left alone in a time that they feel lonely. 
They need connection in the time that they feel lonely. That expression, misery loves company, I just recently really realized what that meant. Like, I always understood it, but I kind of thought it just meant somebody's mean and they want to be mean to everybody else. No, it's people who are miserable, who are lonely, and they're looking for connection, but they don't know how to get it. They don't know how to invite somebody to the inside of what's going on, and the closest they can come to it is by creating other places and other people who are feeling the same way they are. But it is short of connection. What they're really looking for is connection. So when your children are telling you things like, I don't like you, you're the worst, leave me alone, these are all really times that they're actually telling you, I'm hurt, I feel alone, I feel disconnected. So listen to that and then respond to it with what they're feeling like they're missing. Don't take more of that away. If they're already feeling lonely, don't send them away to be alone. Give them company, but positive, peaceful company. And the last thing that we want to do when listening is regulate our own emotions. This one is probably one of the hardest things to do, but it affects all other aspects of the listening and the experience, but is regulating your emotions. You can do this through grounding techniques. You can do this through breathing. You can do this by saying, hold on, I need a moment. You can do this by taking a walk, doing a dance. There are many ways to regulate your emotions, practicing awareness, but you really want to stay regulated because when you become dysregulated, you're now taking away the safe space where you get to listen, where they get to share. And nobody wants to come to somebody who's like, you know, aggressive and lost it, especially if they're already losing it in their own way. So you want to be those still waters for them. You want to be able to regulate your emotions and we can talk more about how do we regulate our emotions? How do we regulate ourselves? We can talk about that more in a separate podcast episode. And I think we should. And another thing that I'd love to talk about is the challenges in listening. <laughs> like we're talking about kids listening. And one of the number one things we all say in here is like, these kids don't listen. They don't listen. I got to keep repeating myself. So I know that it's frustrating. I know that listening is challenging. Today, we're kind of talking about us listening, but what about our kids listening to us? So we're going to get into that next week. We're going to get into that aspect of how do we get them to listen? How do we deal with the frustrations when they're not listening? How do we regulate our emotions? So make sure that you come back next week. Now, y'all know I like to give homework. Your only homework for this week is to share this podcast with a friend. And then come back next week and we're going to talk about challenges in listening, regulating our emotions. And if you have any questions along the way, like come hit up the podcast club. It's free. The link is in the show notes. You can also send a question to podcasts with an S at blacklove.com. Or you can hit me up in the DMs on Instagram at Cherie Sims. But what I'm saying, y'all, is that I am accessible to you. So send me your questions, be a part of the community, let me be a part of your support and your community, and let's, you know, create safe spaces for these children and build these next generation of humans together. All right, y'all, I hope you have a great week. I hope you got something great from this, and I will see you next week. Peace, everybody.